even though you were going to university, you already knew this was the world for you? Yeah, I think I knew very, very early on. Um, and just the people you get to meet, and I know everybody says it, a sense of family and sort of belonging and, and finding something that you're good at as well. I, you know, I generally thought I was good at it and I enjoyed it and I wanted to see how far I could take it. Hello and welcome to Best Sips Worldwide. I'm your drinking companion, Susan Schwartz, an American travel writer living in London. Thanks to my mother's love of martinis, the first words I spoke were shaken, not stirred, and I've been obsessed by the history of cocktails ever since. Through the years, I've been lucky enough to sip some of the best made by the best. Hear that sound? It's time to cozy up to the bar and let me introduce you to the movers and shakers of the world's most famous watering holes. It's July the 4th. To all you Brits, that may mean nothing. But for us Americans, it's our day to celebrate independence from y'all Brits. Happy Independence Day. Time for fireworks, flag waving, and of course, bourbon drinking. It's the perfect day to have Tom Vernon, the global brand ambassador for Woodford Reserve, as our guest. first experience with hospitality was probably taking the coats at my mum and dad's dinner parties when I was very, very small. And I would get myself a little notepad and write down their drinks orders uh, for people and then go and help my dad prepare them. So I was taught at a very young age like how to host and how to look after people. And how old were you? Ooh, um, I wouldn't put an age on it for legal reasons, but <laughs> I would say around about sort of six or seven, but I remember watching my parents get ready and it was always such a ritual and like, you know, watch them getting glammed up for the evening and it was just something that I always thought was very special. So, I love that you had a pen and paper. Yeah, I was, very, I was very efficient. Yeah. When I actually came to making drinks, I probably wasn't that efficient <laughs> or quick, to be honest, to be honest. And then from there, it was just, it was a natural. Yeah, well, I mean, I didn't touch it for a long time after that. It wasn't until I was looking for sort of summer work, and I was about 15, I believe, and I started washing pots in my local pub. Uh, One of my dad's best friends owned the pub, uh, and then I kind of naturally gravitated towards the bar after work and watched the guys, got to know the regulars, and kind of started to see how that whole sort of... um, sort of atmosphere was created and and it was something that I was always involved in I used to play golf with the society I used to go shooting with the society so every, everything in the village kind of centred around a pub which I really really enjoyed and then I naturally started um, pouring pints um, and learning about what was behind the bar and how to make a decent gin and tonic and it kind of graduated from there until I ended up going to Fortnum and Mason's on my gap year and being situated in their wine and spirits department. So that's when I got a real hands-on look at sort of vintage, rare spirits, wines. Um, well, back up for a second before Fortnum and Mason. Where, where is the little town? The little town. It's a little village called Rudgwick in West Sussex. West Sussex. Yeah, my parents still live just north of it now, so one village over in Loxford. Was there just one pub? There was just one pub. There are three in the village now, so we're doing, we're doing good. <laughs> and did you know that you were going to do your gap year in London? Yeah, it was something that I set out to do. I wanted to, we had a very good friend at Fortnum's at the time, um, Stuart Gates, and he introduced me to everyone, showed me around, said, if you want to come and work here, gain some experience, then we'll put you in different sectors. But it just so happened I started in the uh, wine and spirits category. 
and I uh, never wanted to leave there. It was meant that. to be. Yeah, it was great, you know, learning and, you know, you had to wear your tails and your pinstripe trousers to work. It's quintessentially English and I learned a lot about customer service there as well, which was something that was very, very important. Did you go then to university? Yep, went to university up in Leeds, which I would say is where my real sort of education began, drinks-wise. So I started working at Harvey Nichols in their wine shop, which was created. So I kind of went in on the bottom floor of that and saw it sort of created and how they stocked it and what they wanted to sell and push, which I found really, really interesting. And then I met a gentleman called Declan McGurk, who is the bar manager of the Savoy now. He gave me my first bar job. When and I, he was at Leeds? He was at Leeds, yeah. He was flaring, he had very long hair, uh, as did I, I think, at that point in time. And Declan really taught me a lot. Um, he taught me how to mix my first martini. He took me to my first cocktail competition as my mentor. Um, I'm really, really very thankful for him because he introduced me to a lot of people in Leeds that were really prevalent figures at that time. So Jake Berger, uh, Mal Evans, Cy Ord. These guys were real sort of luminaries and doing stuff that wasn't in London either. These were great, awesome independent bars. And I was welcomed in by those guys and I learned a a great deal while I was in Leeds. Well, I thought you said you were going to university there. Yeah, I It doesn't was. sound like it. I finished my degree, uh, I did advertising and marketing, um, and then I stepped straight into a place called Smokestack with a gentleman called Syord, who was brilliant. I always called him my weird uncle. He has a very long sort of Pirates of the Caribbean beard, loves the clash, uh, super, super interesting guy. And we opened a bar along with a chap called Nick, um, a bar called Smokestack, which was all blues and jazz and... And not so much that Prohibition era, but it was just a cool music venue with great drinks. And that was somewhere I really found my feet and started competing and, and really taking a, a big interest in cocktails. And so history. pretty much even though you were going to university, you already knew this was the world for you. Yeah, I think I knew very, very early on. Um, and just the people you get to meet, and I know everybody says it, a sense of family and sort of belonging and... I'm finding something that you're good at as well. Uh, you know, I generally thought I was good at it and I enjoyed it and I wanted to see how far I could take it. So that was that was really important and that's kind of where I cut my teeth really and said, right, this is it's time to get serious or, or grow up, basically. Now, you said you started competing. Yeah. Do you remember what your first competition was? My first competition was with Declan and it was a mentor apprentice competition um, for a scotch, I think it was. And so the mentor had to go and like teach somebody that hasn't really done it before. So I went along kind of not knowing what to expect. And Declan was brilliant. And uh, I think we ended up coming third in that. Um, and then I won a limoncello competition. We were just talking about <laughs> limoncello uh, for Polini, I think, with Kirsty Loveday. Um, I won that one afterwards. And that was great. And, you know, I couldn't imagine doing anything like that. And then... Carried on down the line and eventually stopped competing and, and getting heavily into like operational side of bars as well. Then I came down to London, then went back up to Manchester. So moved around the country a fair, a fair bit. Well, it sounds like there was a really thriving community in Leeds. Leeds was, for me, like it was a real hotspot um, at that time. And there were so many great people and so many great bartenders now in London or who have gone on to do other things, originated the Leeds. Uh, Michael Buck, for example, Declan's a great example, Eddie Renner, uh, all these different people, like too many to mention. Uh, Jake, obviously, look at his empire coming out of that, and he is as Leeds as you get. He's, you know, diehard Leeds. Um, it, was, it was a really, really cool time to be in the city, and their bar culture was really second to none at one point. It was a really great place. 
So what brought you down to London then? So I came down to London actually to work with Mr. Berger. So we were running the Portobello Star, the cocktail tavern, as he liked to call it, half pub, half cocktail bar, which I think is the lovely phrase. And so, yeah, I was situated in Notting Hill and met a lot of great people through Jake. He was very generous with his time, taught me a lot about drinks, um, gin and whiskey especially. He shares a very big passion of mine, which is bourbon, obviously. Um, so, yeah, I got to meet a lot of other people and was introduced more into the London scene. And then uh, moved back up to Manchester after that, um, which was a bit of a rogue move. It was for a girl, as it, as it always is. As it happens, um, always. But I was very lucky to work uh, with a chap called Bo Myers, um, who owned what I would consider one of the institution bars in the UK, a place called Socio Rehab, which sadly is no longer, which I think is kind of a good thing, because it was a real den of iniquity. Um, but it was a great bar, and I got to do a very, very different side of bartending there. Uh, big garnish disco like very very flamboyant it was it was a really cool place I is that it. i guess the difference between london and manchester drinkers? no no not at all it was both very creative there's a lot of sort of street style and sort of graffiti uh, influence in there and just fun basically just having fun you know there were glow sticks and drinks there was stuff uh, it was it was a really really good good learning curve because i was always of the opinion that bartending should be very serious and you stay your drinks and that's absolutely not the case at all um, and uh, Socio really taught me to do that and Manchester's a great town uh, a really great town and then I ended up coming back down to London after meeting a chap called Nadal Ramini who I've actually known for quite a number of years now and we were having discussions about taking uh, my current role or my just previous role about working with Woodford Reserve and joining the Brown Foreman team as their UK brand ambassador. So Nadal and I were together for around about five years um, before I've just taken my new post. So he's um, he's had a, a massive effect on my career and someone uh, very, very dear to me as a friend and as a colleague as well. Well, let's talk about bourbon for a second. Did, yeah. did you always love bourbon? I've always loved bourbon. Um, since being in that little pub when I was 15, um, although, you know, health and safety, legal reasons, etc., uh, I was introduced... When it mistakenly fell into it, your When beer. it mistakenly <laughs> fell, yeah. Um, I was uh, playing an old pub game called Spoof, uh, which is where you have coins behind your back and you guess the number of coins going around the circle. And there was a lot of old men in the pub, all the regulars, and I was insisted I wanted to play. So my dad said, if you play, then if you lose, you buy the round for everybody. And that's the rules. And, you know, the um, the owner of the pub decided what the drink was. So it turns out I lost because <laughs> I didn't know how to play it. So they all took advantage of me. And his drink of choice was a Manhattan. And he said it was something that he'd always loved and he had all the stuff to make it behind the bar. So he mixed all these Manhattans up and I had one and I thought it was absolutely amazing. They, they all thought, or of the opinion, that I would have hated it and I thought it was amazing. So that was my first kind of brush with, with bourbon. And um, I don't know, I've always sort of been drawn to it since then. Like, I, I love the taste, I love the flavour profile, I love that you can have fun with it. It's, it's just a great spirit and it's something that I've, I've always drank personally as well. So to be doing what I do now is, is a great honour and you know, it's something that I look forward to doing every day. Well, let's talk about your job at Woodford Reserve. Yeah, so I've just been appointed Global Brand Ambassador for Woodford, having looked after the UK for five years. Uh, and I've recently got back from the Kentucky Derby. So that was actually my first week in the new role, which was 
not a bad way to start, but <laughs> pretty intense way to start as well. So it's it's awesome. I get to travel the world and spread the good word of bourbon, talk to people about Woodford Reserve, and generally get to do something that I'm very, very passionate about. Is there anywhere that you think doesn't really know enough about bourbon, any part of the world that you're definitely well, going to target? Education is a massive part of the job, um, and I always seek to kind of educate and inspire where I can. So if, you know, if anybody wants to know anything at any given point in any given place, then that's what I'm here for. Um, and I think Kentucky holds a certain sort of romance with the spirit as well when you think sitting out on the back porch and rocking chair and babbling brook and, you know, the thoroughbred horses running down the road. It's That to me is just like the romance of bourbon. But then you can spin it the other way and you can think like New York skyline, sipping the Manhattan in Manhattan. It's it's really got the best of both worlds, which I think is something really versatile about the spirit. Can you tell us a little bit of the history of the brand? Yeah, so it's actually a relatively new bourbon. So Brown Foreman as a company dates back to 1870 uh, with the first bottled bourbon, which was Old Forester. Um, uh, Woodford Reserve was kind of... um, The concept of it was from a chap called Owsley Brown, uh, part of the Brown family. And he wanted to create a premium luxury bourbon. And at the time, that you know, bourbon was in real decline at this point. A lot of people were drinking white spirits. Bourbon was was nothing in the market, really. So it was kind of met with a, a difference of opinion, shall we say, by the board. But eventually, in 1996, they released Woodford Reserve. And everything about it was different. The packaging, the taste, the profile. It was very, very up-to-date, very cutting-edge. Um, and it had a real impact on the industry. It uh, kind of helped to jumpstart things. That, along with Maker's Mark as well, these were the only two pap- uh, people that had a home place that people could go and visit and actually see the distillery. So it is relatively new. It's still got a lot of history and heritage. So we still distill on the original site that Oscar Pepper did in 1812. It's still the original site. Um, the area is exactly the same. We've rebuilt it, obviously, but we've rebuilt it exactly the same as the old Pepper Distillery. Uh, we're still right next to Glens Creek. Um, if you get the chance to go, it's one of the most idyllic, beautiful distilleries you will ever see. Well, now you said you just came back from the Kentucky Derby. I did indeed. So you definitely have a presence there already, even uh, in the short time that you've, you've yeah. been around. Well, we are the official bourbon of the Kentucky Derby. So, yeah, we, we have a big, big uh, derby tie, especially with the equine heritage of the brand as well and being in Kentucky. So there's um, there's some really nice things there as well. And some of the drinks that you make there? Do you just stick well, to Well, for the derby, it's tulips uh, all day long. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, so every year we actually run a charity program. So we do a $1,000 mint julep and a $2,500 mint julep. We pick an equine charity um, and all the proceeds will go to that. So we sell the julep cups. This year we had 90 of the $1,000 ones and we had 23, I think, of the gold ones. And they were all sold out on Derby Day. And is it a traditional mint julep inside? It's not. We take a different theme each year. So we've had like um, ice from the Himalayas in it. We've had uh, gold leaf, all sorts of these. We've had mint from Morocco. We had the Moroccan ambassador come over and join us at the Derby. There's all sorts of crazy things that we do every year. So we put a kind of theme on it. And this uh, this year we did an English theme. 
So we were looking at Edward Mybridge. Is that Mybridge. because you're the new global Well, it, it didn't, didn't hurt that I was being introduced as in the new role. But yeah, we kind of put an English spin on it. So we had pins in there. We had elderflower uh, cordial. Um, the Julep Cup had a design of the Edward Mybridge uh, photographic print uh, showing that the horse's hooves all leave the ground at a full gallop. So we had that going around the outside of the carp. It was, it was really cool. It was a very, very special week. It was a very hard week, but a very special week. Well, I think you're making me thirsty, and I want to try one of these mint juleps. Can we go make one? We sure can. Yeah, no problem. Great. Now that I know there's Woodford Reserve on the menu, I need to make my dream of attending the Kentucky Derby a reality. Thanks so much to Tom for making my Independence Day a true American holiday. As Tom's first love was Manhattan, then it has to be our cocktail of the week. Of course, you have to start with two ounces of Woodford Reserve bourbon, one ounce sweet vermouth, three dashes of Angostura bitters, a martini glass, and a maraschino cherry. Fill a mixing glass with all the ingredients, add ice, and stir gently for 10 to 15 seconds. Strain all of that into the martini glass and garnish with that cherry. When you're feeling like you miss New York, rustle up one of these, close your eyes, and sip. Next week, we go on holiday to Portugal, more specifically to Quinto do Lago in the Algarve, home to the luxury resort Four Seasons Fairways. We'll be joined by the bar staff, who showed me the coolest drink made with gin I have ever seen. Until next time, bottoms up. For more information and links to everything you've heard about, plus a bit more, please visit bestbitsworldwide.com. Thanks for listening to Best Sips Worldwide, a spin-off of Best Bits Worldwide. Always remember the wise words of Oscar Wilde, all things in moderation, including moderation, and never drink and drive. Okay, I said that last part. Theme music is by Stephen Shapiro and used with permission. You'll find me at the bar. <laughs>